is up, everyone? Welcome back to Kings Road Pro Wrestling. I am Sam Fain, your host, and uh, I'm here tonight to talk about AEW Blood and Guts. Uh, the show just ended about five minutes ago, so all of these thoughts are going to be very fresh, uh, fairly unfiltered. Um, just uh, wanted to kind of do what I had done for WrestleMania uh, a few weeks back. Uh, I had fun doing those, and it's been a while since I did one for AEW, although I've definitely talked about some of the shows, uh, certainly on Twitter. Um Overall, I, I enjoyed the show, you know, from, from top to bottom. I thought uh, it was just a, uh, a really well-put-together show. Um, there were some really great moments. There were a couple of moments where, you know, I, I think rightfully so, people might have scratched their heads a bit, uh, as I did uh, myself. But, um, again, overall, I thought it was great. I thought the commentary was on point. I thought that the matches uh, were, were put together well. Uh, obviously, nothing really had the chance to overstay its welcome because uh, the early part of the card was fairly short. And truth be told, you, you know, when you think about sort of the match beyond, even the Blood and Guts match was, um, you know, a little bit uh, uh, compact in some ways. Uh, and it felt even more so, I think, because of the commercial breaks. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so to kick off the show, we had um, Omega and Nakazawa versus Moxley and Kingston. At first, it looked like it was just going to be Nakazawa as Callis, you know, did some bullshittery about Omega not being there. Of course, the announced team was talking about the fact that they'd seen him backstage. So we knew he was coming. We just didn't necessarily know when. Um, I like that he, you know, he attacked pretty much right away, blindsiding uh, uh, Kingston and Moxley. It was a perfect start. It got things off to a hot start. We knew this match was going to be pretty hot anyway, just because of uh, the, the hate um, between Kingston and, and uh, Moxley and Omega, so um, it was it was just a great way to kind of kick things off, um, and I felt like uh, it was. Um yeah, it, it, it was it was just handled well. Uh, you, you know, Omega was able to kind of come in there and, and look good pretty much the whole time. Uh, when he started to have trouble and got, and got fed up and just left, it was it was perfect to leave Nakazawa to Moxley and Kingston. Um, I, I loved watching Kingston and Omega kind of teeing off on one another. Uh, I think um, you, you know the the two of them uh, meeting one on one is probably fairly inevitable, and, and I think it'll be a great match. Uh, the double team stuff from Kingston and Moxley, you know, the the lariat into the half and half. I thought was perfect, and um, hopefully they keep using that because I think that uh, it'll it, it, they've got legs as a tag team, and obviously having the opportunity to um, you know feud with with the Young Bucks um, if if they keep their titles against SCU, which I think they will. Um, I, I think will be good for them, good good for the the division, which is a great division anyway. I mean, it's an incredibly deep tag team division, but having you know Moxley and Kingston kind of have a bit of a run together as a tag team is not a bad idea because it it doesn't feel like they're just thrown together. Um, you, you know, like sometimes teams do. It feels like there's a reason that they're together, um, and, and and I don't think you know I, I don't think you put the tag belts or with them. I, I don't think that that's necessary for the two of them, but I think that you can do some interesting things with them, just focusing uh, with them as a tag team. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, what, uh, what happens. Um, we got the Cody and QT Marshall match, uh, which I thought was, was just really good. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was good old fashioned, hate filled and fueled brawl. Um, I, I didn't see them doing the definitive finish here. I felt like that the feud still had legs, um, and maybe it's still does um obviously bringing um anthony agago out was was perfect because you know you kind of potentially end one thing to start another it makes a lot of sense and and i think that that was a direction that we were potentially headed anyway and of course keeping the punch strong perfect uh uh, the, the the near falls in the match between cody and qt you know near falls obviously look they get overused uh, a lot. And, and I think the thing is, is that in general, they don't have a lot of, of meaning. Um, you know, I was watching an indie match earlier today between two competitors that I really enjoy, but you could tell they were doing near falls for the sake of doing near falls. Um, you know, they weren't particularly crisp. They, they were kind of working at the near fall as opposed to the near fall kind of just feeling natural in the placement of the match. These near falls between QT Marshall and Cody felt natural in the placement of the match. They felt exactly like what should be happening in the story that they were telling. And so they really 
worked. And, and I, you know, and to truth be told, I kind of bit on a couple of them. I, I really thought like, oh, wow, you know, this might be it. Or if this isn't it, you know, this is going to be the one that, that, that brings in the interference. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, you know, I definitely didn't think that the figure four was going to be the finish, but I, I kind of, you know, I kind of liked that it was. I, I, st- I still wonder what's going to happen and what's going to come out of this because it definitely still feels too early to end the, the overall feud. But to have Cody go over clean here, it, it, it feels like, um, you know, where do you go from here? Which isn't a bad question to ask. It, it, you know, I, I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next, especially for, for QT Marshall, because I think that they've, they've worked hard on building him and, 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 you know, the, the crew up. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I loved the Ethan page and Scorpio sky, uh, promo. Um, and then of course bringing Darby Allen in, I thought that that was a really cool moment. It it felt, uh, it felt kind of old school in a way, you know, the backstage promo, um, that, that leads to, you know, the crazy, brawl um and 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 then of course the insane bump down the concrete steps uh that 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 Darby took which uh you know it's clear that he is very good at what he does so I'm not going to second guess anything uh he definitely takes some chances and some wild risks and this was obviously one of them but I, I I think that overall, especially with what happened later in the show with Miro, it it could lead to some good storytelling. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the Miro promo, but, um, yeah, I thought it was just great. It was, it was a great piece of storytelling. It was great to further, um, you know, the, the feud, it was great to get more heat on, on page and Scorpio sky. Um, yeah, I, I think that both of those guys, um, have a pretty high ceiling. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where they go, uh, next. Um, and I think it's great that somebody like, uh, Ethan page is, you know, is getting in there and, and, and really getting some quality time, uh, because clearly he's good on the mic. Um, you know, he does good stuff in the ring and, and, and I think that, uh, he's someone that can be utilized in a lot of different ways, um, which is, which is good. And it just proves how deep AEW's roster is. You know, people talk about it being overfilled and having too many people, but man, when you think about the amount of content they're producing each week between, uh, dark elevation dark and dynamite, you know, they are, they're really providing a platform for a lot of people to get seen. And it's not necessarily always about, you know, those top three matches and it shouldn't be, uh, it's about kind of seeing the the talent and I'm always interested to see what's going on. Even, even on dark elevation and dark, I mean, you know, a lot of those are just squash matches or extended squash matches, but it's a great opportunity to see talent and recognizing some of that talent from, you know, the, the indie wrestling that I watched, like the main event, for instance, they were on this past week, um, I think on, was it on Elevation or it might've been on Dark? Uh, and it was great to see them because I had just seen them on AIW and I loved, uh, their work uh, on AIW. And so it was really cool to see them, you know, get the chance to, to, to be on AEW and, and, and have, you know, have some time in the ring. Um, and I just think that if you're going to have a huge roster of people, there's nothing wrong with putting some of these guys that maybe you're not going to showcase on, on dynamite, you know, especially maybe in that second hour or whatever, but, but put them, you know, in a squash match on, you know, Monday or Tuesday night and, you know, give them five, 10 minutes with someone that we've never seen before. We might never see again, but it gives them a chance to kind of build some momentum and you just kind of go from there. Um, there is also nothing wrong with having some guys on TV one week and not on TV the next week, or even for two weeks. You, know, you look back to the days of the territories, and you look back to the old time shows with Mid Atlantic and Georgia Championship Wrestling, or, or you know anywhere, Florida, uh, uh, you know uh, Houston, uh, Dallas, Portland. I could go on and on and on. You look back to the territories, and there were a lot of times when you would have guys that would only feature you know, maybe once a month, they'd be on the show once a month, you know, they might semi-main event, uh, a big arena show that was coming to, you know, a city or whatever. Um, 
certainly you had some guys that you featured continuously and they were always a part of the storyline. But I think that, you know, we've grown so accustomed to seeing, you know, the top stars week in and week out and week in and week out that it's okay to, to not see Adam page every week. It's okay to not see Penta and Phoenix every week. You know, it's the promise of, of getting to see them next time around or what they'll do next is enough for me. Um, especially knowing like with, with Pac, for instance, like we're going to get to see him next week in a match with Orange Cassidy to determine the number one contender for, for Omega's title. So the, the the depth of the roster is something that I appreciate about AEW. I appreciate the fact that I don't have to see everybody every week, that they can mix it up a bit. Um, so back to the Ethan Page thing, I just think he's he's in a really unique and great position to be featured in a lot of different roles. And when you are the type of talent that can give your promoter, your booker, or whatever options for where to put you, where to use you, you, you make yourself even more valuable. And those are the types of people that I that I would want to work with if I was a promoter or a booker. I want to work with guys that I can use in multiple ways in different roles. And and all ego Ethan Page is one of those guys uh, as a Scorpio Sky. Um, and then you've just got some people like Darby Allen who are just undeniable talent, future you know main eventer, uh, current main eventer. Let's face it, um, and and somebody that y- you can just run with. Um, and you know, whether or not he really needs some time off for for injuries, uh, or, or whatever the case may be, they've set things up that if, and it could go one of two ways, if he needs to take a little time off, they've set things up perfectly now to have him come back and mix it up with, with Ethan Page, uh, and have a good feud that, that does play off of what came before, even though Ethan Page was kind of dismissing it because the the minute he brings it up, even if he says something, nobody cares about what we did before. Now it's in the minds of people. It's like, Oh, they did something before. And, And even though as he's dismissive of it, he brings up, you know, the, the, the elbow he brings up the, so it's the fact that he's bringing that all up, even if he's dismissing it, it's perfect because it, you know, I, I think for the fans like myself who saw those matches in Evolve, um, who, who actually, you know, saw them live in, in, in the audience uh, for one of those matches, that, that it's, it's one of those things where you, you get to play off that history while also for the people that haven't seen those matches, that aren't aware of those matches, you, you know, you, you generate enough interest in the story and in the heat between the two of them just off of what you're doing on AEW. So it's not like you're forcing people to go watch Evolve. Um, but if they decide they want to know more, they can find out more and they can find it. So anyway, I, I, I've talked more about this this one little moment than I have any of the other matches. But I, I thought that it was great and I'm, I'm interested in all three of those guys. So uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next. Uh, next up, we had Britt Baker and Julia Hart. I don't know that I've mentioned this before uh, on the podcast, or if I have, it's been it's been a very long time. It's probably back when PJ uh, was joining me. Um, but I first saw Britt Baker about four years ago at Rise Three Medic here in Chicago, um, and I remember she was it was Fire and Nice, the tag team she had with uh, Chelsea Green, and I remember immediately just thinking like, okay, like both of them really are, they're cut above. Um, but I thought that Brit was, uh, was really good, um, and doing like interesting stuff in the ring. And she just, you know, has only gotten better and, and has continued to get better. Um, she just makes things look so natural and not just the, the in-ring work, but her persona, the character work. I mean, everything she does, it's so effortless. It reminds me of, you know, people used to talk about Spencer Tracy, the actor, about how he made everything. It never seemed like he was working. It never seemed like he was acting. He, he just did it. It all seemed so easy and effortless to him. And that's kind of how I feel about Britt Baker sometimes. It's like so much of what she does just feels effortless and easy. Um, she's somebody that just seems like she's born to do this. Um, you know, I've had the fortune of, of getting to meet her and talk to her a few times, um, over the years and, and she's incredibly nice. Uh, you know, so, so she's, uh, she's clearly doing some work. Uh, but it, it just, again, it just seems very, very effortless. And, uh, uh, kudos to her, you know, because I know that, uh, early on, 
there was definitely some question amongst the fans, some of the detractors and critics of her work. And I feel like, you know, there are some people that have a hard time dealing with that. And whether or not she listened to it, paid it any mind at all, who knows? But she has clearly just continued to work and get better and better and better. Uh, and now she's in a position where, you know, she's going to challenge Hikaru Shida for the, the women's title. Uh, I am really looking forward to that match. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, again, Britt Baker is awesome. Uh, all that said, I, I am still Team Sheeta. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think, uh, you know, again, she's someone that I had the chance to see live a few years back when she came to Shimmer, and uh, I've just enjoyed her work since then. And you know, watching her in, in Ice Ribbon and, and some of the other Joshi promotions, uh, I've just been a fan of hers for a, a long time, even before she got to AEW. And so, seeing her success in AEW is something that. Um, you just feel as a fan, uh, when you see a talent, you know, on the indies or outside of a big promotion start to really, you know, appeal to a wider audience. It's, it's not pride. That would be completely misplaced. You know, I have no business feeling proud of someone, uh, cause I took no part in this whatsoever. Um, but at the same time, it just makes you feel kind of good. It's like, I'm glad that other people are noticing her. Um, so the tag team elimination match, uh, eliminator match rather, uh, you know, it's funny because looking at all four of these teams, I was just sort of like, okay, it really like as, as much as I love, you know, varsity blondes and Brian Pillman jr. In, in particular, as much as I love the Stossel line and the rap that the acclaimed did, uh, and think that they're a great talent as well. For me, this match really came down to Jurassic express and SCU. I felt like it was probably SCU's match. Um, you know, I saw some people on Twitter say that it was kind of telegraphed uh, over the last couple of weeks or whatever that they were going to end up, you know, winning this match. You know, I, I not everything has to be unexpected. Not everything has to be a surprise. Not everything has to be a oh, I don't know who's going to win this. Um, but throughout the course of the match, again, I still say that it, it, for for me, there were times when I thought anybody could have won the match. Um, you know, when you just watch the match, and that's the important thing because that's the, that's the immediate story. Um, you know, that said, I think SCU winning it does make a lot of sense. I don't think they're going to beat the Young Bucks. Um, I have a feeling that we are probably seeing the wind down to Christopher Daniels' career. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I am not saying that he's not going to, you know, wrestle for another year or two maybe, but I do think that we're seeing that wind down. And I think part of that is probably, you know, going to play into this angle. Cause I think Kazarian, although, you know, he might not necessarily go that much longer either, um, could, could certainly do some other things. Again, Kazarian's like one of those utility players. You can, you can do lots of different things with him. Um, and, and he could fill multiple roles and he doesn't necessarily need to be in the his tag team. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily want to see them break up. I don't necessarily want to, to see that end. And I could be completely wrong. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, they do break up and we start to kind of see Christopher Daniels, you know, transition pot- potentially into other roles. Um, but we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see They're They're still, I mean, they're still right now. They're still two of the best. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of traction uh, off of a tweet that I posted during the uh, the show about Jungle Boy. Um, I said, when I look at Jungle Boy, all I see is the future. I want him to own all the titles before his time is done. Um, I really appreciate, you know, all the likes and, and retweets, and uh, especially if you're listening to this now. Um, there were some interesting comments that I chose not to respond to mainly because I was watching the show, uh, but also because I feel like I'm never going to be able to have the conversation I really want to have over Twitter um, when it comes to a comment like this. But a couple of the comments were about his size. Uh, Someone mistakenly said he was only 5'7". He's actually 5'10". So at least if you're going to come at me with something like that, try to get the facts straight. Uh, Other people who are 5'10", for instance, would also include, uh, oh, I don't know, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan. Uh, So to me, get out of here with the, with the size stuff. You know, Rey Mysterio is five, six, um, Pac is five, eight. Um, you know, Kenny Omega is barely six foot. Jericho's barely six foot. Uh, uh, Bret Hart's barely six foot. Shawn Michaels was, 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 was what, like five, nine, five, ten. Um, so uh, yeah, I, 
and then saying that he that he looks skinny or something like that. It's like give me a break. You know, look at somebody like Finn Balor. I mean, the 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 idea that that there are people out there that are actually thinking like, well, he's not big enough. It's just like, dude. Yeah, it's not 1985 anymore, and they don't have to have a needle in their ass in order to get to the main event, okay? It it, it really boggled my mind that people would, like, try to come, you know, with that as their comment. Um, it's like they haven't been paying attention this whole time. Uh, I, I think that the the perception of, of what a wrestler is and has to look like and has to weigh, and, you know, there's no height requirement, there's no weight requirement. This isn't you know, AEW does not have a junior heavyweight division. Uh, this isn't New Japan. This, is, you, you know what I mean. And, and, and even if it were, like, it's clear from from some of what we're seeing in New Japan, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Like, you know, the, it's not. I mean, I'll, oh, fuck it. I'll talk about it right now. I mean, we just saw a match of the year candidate main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship between Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay, who a year ago, two years ago, oh no. Um, now I'm going to mess it up. It doesn't matter. Point is, we saw them in the best of the super juniors, uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago in, in a in a blowaway match. So, and now they're they're main eventing in, in, in the heavyweight division. And yes, obviously, Will Ospreay has put on some weight, uh, you know, some muscle mass. Uh, and Shingo Takagi was always one of those questionable people in the junior division. But still, it's one of those things that is such an outmoded train of thought. Um, you know, and, and it's always been that way. You go there are so many promotions uh throughout the history of the territories i mean look at Vern Gagne. you know look at look at uh look at jerry lawler and bill dundee look at dynamite kid in in portland you know the these people um that think that you know you have to be like over six foot and 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 you know 225 pounds it just it boggles my mind that 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 people are stuck in that way of thinking especially when you've got someone as incredibly talented as jungle boy who had that match you know with um MJF a couple months ago that was that was just absolutely an incredible match was one of those matches that a couple months ago was longer than that wasn't it time in the pandemic man I tell you what it becomes like this weird jumble you know you start to see everything happening at once and 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 yet so far apart sometimes anyway I I think that When you have somebody like Jungle Boy, who is an undeniable talent, who has innate charisma, uh, going back to kind of what I was talking about with Britt Baker, an effortless charisma, like he doesn't have to work at it at all. Uh, it, it's a no-brainer um, that that this guy is going to succeed eventually, and 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 it's one of those situations where the people that are doubtful because of his size. Uh, are, are just going to be the, you know, they're, they're going to be the people that complain no matter what. Um, so that's, that's my story. And uh, that's, that, that's what I have to say about people who are going to complain about his size. Uh, and again, I say, Daniel Bryan. I mean, uh, like that's just going to be my go-to anytime somebody wants to make a complaint about size. Uh, you know, it, it just makes no sense to me that, that people would want to do that. And of course, Rey Mysterio. Yes. Yes. Um, although I never really liked the whole, giant killer gimmick because it just felt like it's it's like here's a guy who can go out and have an incredible wrestling match with anybody he gets in the ring with you put him in there with a seven footer and you have to turn it into a gimmick because it's like we don't believe that he could ever possibly win and i feel like uh, that's that's not the best route to go instead just put him in the ring and have him you know have the match and don't you know don't make too big of a deal of it um regardless jungle boy is going to be and already is you know on the precipice of being a huge star. And I think that he will continue, uh, to, to grow, um, not physically, but, but his, you know, his in-ring work is great. And, uh, I love the tag team. Obviously I think he and Luchasaurus are fantastic together. I know I'm not in any hurry to see them, you know, break up. Uh, <clears throat> but I would, again, I would just love to see, you know, tag team belt TNT championship, world heavyweight championship. I would love to see him accomplish that. Um, I, I think he's, he's going to be more, uh, than deserving of it. He's going to earn it. So, uh, I, I just thought that that was interesting, but I thank everyone who engaged, uh, on, on that particular tweet. Cause it was, it was nice to, you know, uh, start a conversation, even if some people seemed to want to say things that I couldn't agree with. Uh, <laughs> so uh, SCU versus the young bucks for the tag belts. I, I, again, I think it'll be a great match. Um, 
you know, next Wednesday, I, I, I'll get back to this too, but next Wednesday is going to be a great show too. You've got SCU versus the Young Bucks for the tag team titles, you know, which may end up having a non-finish. You know, it's one way to keep SCU together for a little bit longer while also keeping the belts on the Bucks. Um, you've got Nagata versus Moxley for the IWGP US belt. I mean, come on. Like, that match is going to be awesome. Um you know, next Wednesday is just going to be great. I, I, and I can't wait. I just can't wait for Nagata versus Moxley. Like, I was sold. And the fact that they're packing this card, stacking this card with the other matches, uh, it, it's pretty awesome. Um, and now it was time for Blood and Guts. Only before we got there, uh, Omega came out uh, with Nakazawa again. Somebody did mention, and this was one of those gaps in logic that I did agree with, uh, that you know Nakazawa got you know practically killed earlier in the night, not even earlier in the night, like less than an hour prior, and now here he is coming out holding the belts and you know seemingly just fine. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's it's a show. Um, I, I appreciate it when they when they do stick to things. Uh, they make things logical. They tell these stories. I really do appreciate it. I'm not gonna crucify them for you know for for doing something like this. Uh, but they came out. Tony Schiavone was there uh, by the by the cage. Um, you know, Omega. I thought uh, was fine. Uh, there was one particular moment where I thought he was superb. Um, I loved the announcement for uh, Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Um, Orange Cassidy, of course, came out. You know, gets a great babyface reaction. Uh, this is the moment where I thought Omega was superb. He he did this great thing where he put. Orange Cassidy over big time, you know, just talked about how special he is, how everybody loves him, how, you know, he's such a fan favorite and and how amazing he is. And then said, but you're not championship material. And it's just, it's perfect. It's, 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 it's a perfect promo because all you've created in that moment for anyone that didn't already think so, uh, for anyone who had their doubts uh, for the people that didn't, for the people that were already fans, you've affirmed the fact that this guy is special. But you've also thrown out there and said, you can't beat me. And that is pro wrestling. Like, it doesn't really get any simpler than that right there. You're amazing. You're special. Everyone loves you. But you'll never beat me and you'll never have this title. It's it's drama. It's tension. The stakes uh, have been raised, uh, and now all we want to see is Orange Cassidy beat Kenny Omega. I don't think that that's what's going to happen, um, but uh, I, I do think that it has it is it has obviously raised some stakes. Now, someone did make the comment, "Well, wow, you're really telegraphing who's going to win the Pac Orange Cassidy match." Maybe. And maybe this is some long-term storytelling, and instead we get some sort of, you know, screwiness in the finish where, you know, Omega, uh, you know, interferes or, or Nakazawa interferes, something like that, and costs Orange Cassidy the match. And now, you know, you've, you've generated this, this controversy to keep the story going, to keep Orange Cassidy in the hunt, that Orange Cassidy's coming after that title, um... You know, you also, of course, have in the background Adam Page. So, you, you know, it's 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 it was an interesting choice to have Brian Cage beat him. I still don't know exactly how I feel about that. I think that, it, you know, that part of it is probably just saying, like, look, we don't want to put him in a match uh, to determine a number one contender. So let's have let's let's keep creating the monster that is Brian Cage, who is, you know, who's suffered a couple losses here or there or whatever. Uh, get this win on Page, you know, cool Page off just a little bit. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, have this match between Pac and Orange Cassidy, get a number one contender, get a title match for double or nothing. And, and we can save Adam Page, Kenny Omega for down the road. Um, you know, I, I have a feeling that we might have to wait until the end of the year, uh, or maybe even, uh, you know, for, um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. What the hell do I know? Um, I, I could see it happening next February in Chicago, though. I could see it happening next February in Chicago where you've got Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the title. If Omega holds the title that long, who knows? Um, but, you know, back to Pac and Orange Cassidy, another great match to add to next Wednesday. You know, next Wednesday is just going to be, again, a great, a great card. Um, 
And then on top of all that, after this this promo is over, Miro comes out and has a signed contract to face Darby Allen. And it's like, Jesus, next Wednesday is stacked. We've got two title matches. we got a number one contenders match. We, we've got three title matches, excuse me, because you got Moxley and Nagata. So you, I mean, it's a stacked card. It's, it, it, it's one of those things where you, you look at what they did this week, and then you look at what they're going to do next week, and it's like, man, I mean... If you're not tuning in, I just have to ask why. If you're a wrestling fan, why wouldn't you tune in? Um, it, you know, the interesting thing about Miro's challenge and something that I alluded to earlier is that uh, Darby has the perfect out. If he's injured, if he's hurt, and he fights, which he will, he's not going to sit there and be like, I can't fight my arms in a sling or whatever. He's going to get in the ring. Uh, Miro's going to take him out and win the title and we'll always be able to say, well, yeah, but Darby was hurt. So it's the perfect opportunity to get the strap onto Miro, have, you know, have a heel with, with the belt, uh, and start facing some other challengers. Um, now the alternative of course is maybe Darby doesn't get beat. Maybe Darby goes in there and does what he's been doing this whole time, defies the odds, wins the match and continues to be that 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 kind of you know counterculture underground underdog hero um, that that he has been raised to that level that not not even he's been raised to that level that's who he is uh, so I mean I think that the the potential for that match. Um, is actually really cool because it, it, it gives you some questions and it sets something up where the stakes again are kind of high. Um, and it creates some doubt with the, with the potential injury. You know, you never know if Paige or Scorpio Sky or, or anybody else are going to try to get interfered, uh, get in and interfere in the match. Uh, obviously, you know, we haven't seen, um, whether or not Sting will be around next week. So it, there, there's just a lot uh, uh, going into that match, and it could be really interesting. Now, again, with such a stacked card, it's likely that you're going to get some fuckery somewhere. So, you know, you could see that with the tag titles. You could see that with the TNT title. I doubt you're going to see that with Moxley Nagata. I have a feeling that that match is going to be pretty straight. Uh, I have a feeling that Moxley is actually going to win. Um I could, you know, it's interesting because I could see a scenario where Nagata wins. Um, but I think that, you know, now that you've opened the forbidden door, if you will, that it, it actually makes things maybe even a little bit more interesting if he doesn't win. Um, and you keep the belt on Moxley. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Again, there's some doubt there. There's some question there as to what can happen. I think most people are probably thinking Moxley's going to win, but, uh, it could be interesting if Nagata pulls it off. Uh, I love the way that they have made, and Tony Schiavone in particular, I love the way that they have made it feel so important. And it's not just Schiavone, and it's not Excalibur, Jim Ross. It's, it's, it's just down to the production. It's down to the fact that they're using New Japan clips, that they're, that they're showing these interviews with Nagata. It's, you know, they've made this feel like a really big deal, and I am so glad. Because for a fan like me, for someone who's loved Nagata for a long time, I am, I am so sold on this. Um, but everything they've added around it has just made me, I don't know, made me feel, feel good as a fan of Nagata, made me feel good as a fan of New Japan's product and, and, and made me feel good as a wrestling fan because it's sort of like, I, I feel like more casual viewers of AEW, they're probably buying into this as well because of Moxley, because of the way that they've made this feel special with the video segments, the video packages, and the announced team, uh, and the work that they've done. And then, of course, the promos from, from Moxley. So, um, Kudos to them, because I, I think that it's a it's something that not a lot of other companies would do. Um, you know, certainly WWE is not going to do anything like this um, unless they listen to Daniel Bryan and, and you know, resign him and he gets to go off and do some of these interesting things that he wants to do. Um, I doubt it, but you never know. Um, so it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to me for that reason, that it's unique, that it's something that, that they can do in North America that a lot of other companies would not do. And, uh, and then you just look at the talent in the ring because that's really what it all comes down to, right? You look at the fact that you've got John Moxley and you've got Yuji Nagata and, and these are two guys that are going to go in there and tear it up. Um, 
and have a very unique and interesting match, I think. That's the other thing that's going to be really cool. Nagata is going to be a very interesting opponent for John Moxley. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think uh, I think it could be a, a special match. It really could be. Um, and here we are, blood and guts. Man, okay. So first of all, uh, I, I thought that the you know the, the unified ring attire of both teams was great. Uh, Santana on Ortiz with the the face paint and everything, and uh, it, it, just in the, the black jumpsuits, they just look like sadistic monsters. You know, more so than just about anybody else, they look like monsters ready to come in there and just fight. And I love that. Um, Dax Harwood and Sammy Guevara started off. Um, I, I thought that they were great. Um, I, I, I loved the 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 work that they did teasing the cage. It was smart. It was simple. It, you know, again, this isn't rocket science. You knew the payoff was coming. It was coming soon. Bam! There it is. Uh, you know, Harwood gets some color. Um, it, it, you know, it's looking good. Um, yeah, it it just worked. Wheeler comes in, Guevara's, you know, getting busted open. Um, yeah, you know, it it was, it was one of those things when Spears came in, excuse me, Spears came in next. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of bringing weapons into the, the, the cage, into the war games or blood and guts, whatever we want to call it. Uh, I always liked it better, and the reason why you know the NXT War Games stuff has always bugged me a little bit is because it's it feels more like a weapons match that just happens to take place in this cage. Um, I will say this right here, right now. I firmly believe that there have been some interesting things that that the NXT War Games matches have done. Uh, I loved the first one. I really, really did. This, to me, tops them all. And the reason why is because it got the essence of what these matches are more than any of those others. The blood helped. You know, if you're going to do a match like this, it, it, there's, it doesn't make any sense to not have some color. You know, uh, I, I know WWE's got their no blood policy, whatever, fine. Um, but you know, they, they, this felt like a fight and it felt like, you know, the, the only way you can have this fight is to give these men the room and an enclosed location so that nobody else is going to interfere or, or, you know, anything like that. Nobody's going to get out. I'll get to that in a minute. But I felt like, you know, for the first, you know, like 35 minutes or so of this match, it felt exactly like what war games, you know, blood and guts is supposed to be. Uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, so much of it. Uh, I thought that the the Spanish fly spot from Guevara and Spears was fantastic. That was that was just awesome. Ortiz falling out of the ring between the cage and the floor that was unique and interesting. Not something that you've really seen, you know, in, in these matches before. Um, I felt like they could have played that up even more, to be honest with you. Uh, Oh, when, when, when Hager and Wardlow finally squared off, that was beautiful. I loved it. I love the fact, you know, they're, they're coming together and you kind of expect you're going to get that endless volley of punches that, that we see so often in matches now. And instead they just rocked each other with one shot staggered back. Yeah. They exchanged a few after that, but it was, it was just so perfect. It, 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 it was, it had an effect, you know, it, it's like, it's like JR said in the past, it's like you punch somebody in the face, like it should matter. Um, and so I really appreciated that, that little moment. Uh, I, I thought it was great and seeing them square off was great. I felt like I came out of this, the, the, the thing that this match also did, like I was already super into like Guevara and, and FTR and, um, you know, just, uh, uh, pretty much everybody in this match with the exception maybe of Hager and Wardlow, to be honest with you. Uh, but I came out of this match with a greater appreciation for both of them. And so it's like mission accomplished, you know, like they, they, they this match elevated both teams. Um, and, and I feel like really gave the fans some good payoff as well. Um, the intensity of the match from the beginning to the end was just off the charts. And it was, it was fantastic. I really, really, uh, enjoyed that feeling. Um, then here comes Jericho, uh, 
yeah, just all sorts of great brawling, fighting. Um, you know, obviously you've got objects getting used. You got people bleeding all over the place. Um, I, I love that they took the turnbuckle uh, apart. A uh, great callback to War Games '92 when Eaton got hit with the the turnbuckle uh, piece and, and submitted. Like it just, I, I really loved that. Um, and that's what I was talking about too. I, where I don't like people bringing in weapons because I feel like there's unique and creative ways to use the the uh, the ring and the cage and, and and you know in your own body um, <clears throat> that that's what these matches should be about. I feel like when you start bringing in tables and chairs and baseball bats and barbed wire and all this sort of stuff, it's kind of like you're gilding the lily. And 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 I ended up not feeling that way for the most part. Uh, but with the baseball bat in particular, I felt like there was a point where I was like, why why would you ever put that down? You know, with the chair, I get it because we're used to as a wrestling audience seeing people do like chair spots, like when they wedged it in the corner and you know threw Guevara into it and and and, and whatnot. Like I, I I get that, so I didn't think that I uh, somebody was always going to be hanging onto that chair. But there's a part of me that's like, well, you've got this baseball bat. Why would you ever put it down? And if and if somebody takes it from you, why would they ever let it go? So I- again, it's just one of those things where I, where I appreciate the creative ways to use the ring, like, you know, peeling, even though it's, it started to become overused, oddly enough, you know, peeling up the, the ring to expose the hardwood and everything and, 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 you know, taking off the turnbuckle. I, I, I like that more than people bringing in weapons. Um, but I love that callback. I really did. You know, I noticed some people talking about how this should have been commercial free and I, I can understand that it would have been nice if it were commercial free, but I can't complain because we're getting this on free TV and this easily could have headlined or main evented a pay-per-view. So I, you know, paying 40 or 50 bucks or watching it for free, I'll take watching it for free with some commercial breaks. Um, it didn't really ruin the flow or momentum of the match for me. I did. Uh, I did not like that. The, well, I'll do this right now. Exiting the cage and going up top, I didn't like, period. Uh, I just, I didn't think there was any need for it. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, if they're in this cage and the doors are locked, let them fight in the cage. Like, it could have been just fine if they stayed in the cage. Um, And the fact that that happened during a commercial break, yes, it was picture in picture. I felt like I was missing something. Um, because it's easy to get distracted. You've got a commercial going on, you know, you're, you're kind of glancing down at Twitter because you figure, well, it's a commercial break. Nothing big is going to happen. And the next thing I know, I look up and I see Tully Blanchard opening up the cage and it's like, well, how the hell did he get a key? Well, you know, what ref did he punt? What's going on? Oh, he's climbing up top. Great. Why? Why would he climb up top? If he, if he wants to get away, why wouldn't he just exit the door and just leave? Like if, if, if he's going to be a, you know, a coward shit heel, then just, just leave, man. Don't, why would you climb up top? It makes no sense. Um, so it was just kind of like, you're doing this because it's a spot, not because it makes sense. And it's unfortunate because almost everything that came before in this whole match made sense. And I really liked it. Um, it was just such a great, brutal brawl of a match. And I think they, I could have done without that. I really could. I, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, it's probably gonna be cool. They're probably gonna do something neat up there, but all the same, I don't necessarily need it. And it became clear that from a visual standpoint, you know, if I'm directing a film, visually speaking, this was a great moment for my visual storytelling because I was able to focus on the two main characters, Jericho and MJF. I was able to kind of tell the story of the two of them fighting. You had the great moment when MJF pulls out the ring and, and, and hits Jericho and Jericho gets busted open. And, you know, you've got these great moments. I, it, it worked. I, I liked it. Um then, you know, you, you get the moment where MJF decides, hey, I'm going to throw him off. And it's like, you know, surrender, or I, I throw him off, surrender, or I throw him off. And you got Guevara surrendering. Uh, I saw some complaints about this, too. Uh, I am in no way an AEW apologist. Obviously, you know, what I just said about exiting the cage and climbing up top, like, I, you know, I'll call them on the bullshit or the gaps of logic if I feel like they're there. That said, I, I didn't mind this finish at all. Um, and one of the reasons why I didn't is because it did two things. It, 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 kept, it kept the inner circle strong because none of them had to submit. It had the pinnacle go over, which I think is the right choice. I think the pinnacle needs this win more than the inner circle does. Um, and I think you want the pinnacle to, you want the pinnacle to be the pinnacle. Um, so if, if, if they're going to be your top, you know, your top faction, your top heel faction, um, not that they necessarily are right this second, but if that's where they're headed, they need to beat the inner circle in the cage. Um, so it, it keeps 
inner circle strong because no one submitted. It it puts the pinnacle over because they win. It does it in such a shitty way that you're just sort of like, man, you know, what a fucker, like what a piece of shit MJF is that this is this is what he's going to resort to. Um, Guevara, uh, surrendering is interesting. It'll be interesting to see if there's any fallout from that. Um, you know, it wasn't one of the other guys. It was, it was Guevara. Uh, however, I think it also reinforces this close knit, you know, this, this tighter than tight, thickest thieves group that is the inner circle that they are willing to say, you know what, we don't need to win this match. Don't, don't do this. Don't, you know, it's, it's like, it's one of those things where you're just sort of like, okay, look, we're willing to bleed. We're willing to do whatever it takes. But the thing that we're not willing to do is let you, you know, like throw this guy off the top. Um, we care too much. And, 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 you know, maybe some people don't like that. You know, maybe some people are like, oh, but they said this or they did this or, or no, somebody should have, you know, submitted or, or, you know, this is a chicken shit finish or blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, of course it is. It's a chicken shit finish because it's MJF. It makes sense, you know? And then of course, what does he do after he surrenders? And, and, you know, I, 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 again, I called it. I was just like, Jericho's still going off the top. And sure enough, he did. Look. We could talk until we're blue in the face about the gimmicked fucking, you know, uh, uh, entrance ramp or whatever. The, the fact of the matter is, I would rather that than have somebody who's 51 years old be thrown off the top of this cage and risk serious bodily injury, which he did anyway. Um, even though it's gimmicked, you know, there's still that chance, obviously. I, it's a show, man. It's a show. It's theater. I don't go to a fucking, you know, I don't go to theater and watch somebody drink poison in Romeo and Juliet and, and then get pissed off that they come out for the curtain call. Y- you know, it's that thing that I, I know that there are a lot of people out there that don't agree with it, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, it is. It's a show. So when those little moments happen, I'm okay with that because I would rather Chris Jericho get up and, you know, walk back to the hotel tonight then I would hear about him being, you know, paralyzed from the neck down because he did this, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, but of course, no, it didn't look great. It didn't look great. It looked a little weird. It looked a little phony. Fine. Fine. I will sacrifice, you know, the, the, the look of this being ultra realistic. If it means that Chris Jericho stays relatively healthy. Uh, and even then he probably, he's probably pretty busted up from it. It's not like, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see these people that are bitching and complaining about the finish, take that same dive, you know? Um, cause I, I wouldn't necessarily want to do it. You know, is there a crazy part of me inside? that's like, yeah, I might try that. I might try that. And then there's that part of me that's like, dude, no, you're crazy. Don't do that. So yeah, even, even with the gimmicked entrance ramp, I'm fine with it. Um, it's weird because I remember not being fine with the uh, gimmicked entrance ramp for NXT stand and deliver with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. And I think part of that was because we'd seen so much shit already. Uh, that, that by the time we got there, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, um, so it did feel a little different, but, uh, anyway, I thought it was, I I thought it was, uh, an appropriate finish, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I I think that, you know, again, MJF, uh, is, is, is literally just basically a title away from being the company's top heel, which is exactly what you want from MJF and the pinnacle. That's exactly what you want because they're not there right now and you don't need them there right now because you've got Kenny Omega and the young bucks and the good brothers. And you, you know, you've got that going on. So you don't need to have MJF be that top heel, but he's ready and he's got all the heat that he needs for it. And he's got, you know, he's got everything. And, and in some ways he's, probably is a bigger heel right now than, than Kenny Omega. So I, I appreciated that. And I think that the inner circle comes out of this, um, just fine, just fine. Uh, I think if anything, you've still got some interesting matchups. You've got the Wardlow Hager, you know, one-on-one that you can go with, uh, you know, you've got some tag team stuff that you can go with. I think Sammy Guevara is going to be on an interesting trajectory following this. Um, you know, I think that, uh, everyone performed really, really well. Uh, and, and again, I, I just enjoyed the match. Um, 
I thought the post-match stuff was 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 good too. Uh, you know, the doctors coming out there and checking on him. Uh, you know, Dean Malenko looking concerned and worried. The the announce team putting it over. Uh, yeah, I, and again, I go back to the announce team. I felt like you know they were really on point tonight. I really thought that that it was just a great job. I, I, I feel like um, for the most part they usually are. There are some weeks where you, you know. Uh, JR in particular, I'm just sort of like, what are you doing, dude? Uh, but this, but this week he was just perfect, you know, uh, just perfect. And Excalibur is great. And, uh, Tony Schiavone has been so good. Um, the presentation of AEW's product, uh, is really, I, I, right now just feels kind of non, I, I don't know that there's any other presentation out there, um, that feels as consistent, as sharp, uh, as theirs, um, anywhere in the world. Uh, I would not have said that, you know, uh, two, three years ago. I, obviously I know that they didn't exist that far back, but, uh, you know, there was definitely a time when, you know, clearly new Japan was, was the best at it. And I don't think that they are right now. Uh, and I think that the pandemic has hurt them a lot. I think that they're definitely, I do agree with the things that, that have been said about there being questionable booking decisions. Um, but all that said, Blood and Guts, I thought was good show. Really looking forward to next week as well. Looking forward to the fallout. Uh, good. It was just good stuff. It was good stuff. Everybody, everybody involved tonight did their job, did it well. Um, it was, I was a fan. I was absolutely a fan. Um, Again, I saw a picture of the setup early, and I was just sort of like, I love the amphitheater-style seating. It's like the theater of Dionysus in Athens. You know, you've got this kind of like, we're going to watch a Greek tragedy. And we did, in a way. We did. You know, it was, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, it, it was just great storytelling. So I, I liked it. Uh, it's, you know, not everybody has to like it. That's fine. Um, you know, the, the bullshit complaints about Jungle Boy's si- size, eh, get the fuck out of here. Uh <laughs> See, I'm nice on Twitter. I try to be really nice on Twitter, but 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 then you get me in front of this mic, and sometimes, especially because it's late at night, I've been dealing with this ear infection. Oh, it sucks. It's the reason why I haven't been able to do King's Road Part 3, because I've just been like, uh, it's been hard to kind of like focus and concentrate, and I, you know, I've been talking for 50 minutes now, and I'm already starting to feel like, oh god, I feel like crap again, but... Uh, so I haven't been able to put the work in that I want to for the Gaijin episode, but I'm looking forward to doing that. We'll talk Hanson, Gordy, uh, and Williams. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, anyway, that said, I get, I get, I get behind the mic and, and feeling a little, a little under the weather and, and, and I'm ready to, you know, to be a little feisty. So, uh, yeah, Jungle Boy's size, nah, you know, whatever, get out of here. Uh, people complaining about the finish of this match, fine, you're entitled to that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Uh, I look, I love AEW. I do. I, I think they do more right than they do wrong. They're not perfect. They absolutely, you know, there's some gaps in logic from time to time. We've even talked about it on this show. Um, but, but I think that, uh, overall it was a really strong show and it was, it was exactly what, um, they needed. I feel like there was a lot of interest. I think they got a lot of extra eyes on them. Be really interested to see what the ratings are like. I'm not going to scrutinize them too much, you know, but I, but I will certainly be interested to see what they are like. Cause I hope that they, I hope that they were bolstered by everything that was around this. And I hope that because of the way they built next week's card, they were able to drum up more interest and that that'll also pay off, you know, dividends down the road for them, uh, going into double or nothing. So I, I, I think that if they are able to build more into their audience tonight, and retain a good portion of that next week. They're in a really great position for the pay-per-view at the end of the month, which I'm really looking forward to. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a gig actually on the 31st of May, so I can't do it. But if I could, uh, I'm vaccinated. I, I might be willing to fly down, get, get a ticket, go to Daly's place and, you know, watch some double or nothing in person. Uh, but as it stands, uh, I do have a gig the following night, so I won't be able to, I won't be able to make it, but, um, I don't know, maybe anyway, uh, let's talk about a couple other real quick things. Um, I want to talk about the A and D biography, uh, of Macho Man Randy Savage. My general feeling about this documentary is that if you have seen the, the story of the Macho Man DVD or Blu-ray that WWE put out a while back, it was on the network for a little while, I think too. Um, you, for the most part, don't need to see this. Um, I, I, I feel like that was a really good documentary of his life and, and told a fairly true, fairly positive story of his life. Um, obviously got into a little bit of the Elizabeth stuff. Um, 
I felt like this documentary committed a couple of critical errors. The biggest being involving people like Bubba the Love Sponge and Pete Rosenberg. Uh, I didn't mind the Dan Suter guy that much. I, I, I thought there were a couple of times when I was like, man, you were doing so well. And then you had to say that. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and Rosenberg wasn't a total bust. He said a couple things that were fine. Uh, I, I don't like that guy that much anyway, to be honest with you, but, but I, I just felt like Bubba the Love Sponge in particular, it's like, get him the fuck off here. Like, I, I, there was a part of me that just wanted to be like, how dare you? Like, how dare you have this guy on your fucking show? Like, why would you even give it? It just, it really pissed me off. And it felt like compared to the first two, um, which obviously has been noticed, noted elsewhere. Meltzer noted it a couple of times too, that, um, you, you know, they didn't touch on the domestic violence stuff with Steve Austin. Um, they, they didn't touch on some of the darker aspects uh, of Roddy Piper. Um, they hinted at it, you know, they, they, they did kind of go there. They didn't necessarily go all the way, but I think overall, um, that those two were, were well done. Um, this one, uh, I, I think for the most part was not. Uh, and I think that a lot of the stuff that I did like about this one, uh, you could have seen again in that earlier documentary that WWE themselves produced the gorgeous George stuff. It didn't bother me because it did feel like it was honest. And, um, I, I feel like she, she has a story to tell. And I was, I, you know, I, I was glad that, that she was, uh, interviewed, um, it, you know, I, I think that if you take the, the 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 facts, if you want to call them that, as they were presented, uh, just at face value, you kind of hear a, sort of a salacious story. But if you dig a little bit deeper, it tells you a really interesting story about where that man was at that particular time in his life, um, which I wish that they would have maybe talked a little bit more about that. I, I felt like Kevin Nash got it uh, a little bit more than other people did, and the way that he talked about it had a tone that 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 really kind of I think got to the the psychological aspect of where, you know, Randy Savage was at that particular point in his life. Um, and, and, and I think that the nice thing is, is that there was, a, you know, this kind of redemptive arc about his life with where he was, you know, at the time of his passing. And, uh, I, I again, I, I would have, I, I think I would have liked to have seen less of some of those other guys, uh, if anything at all from them and a little bit more of that tenor, because I feel like there would have been, it would have been a much more remarkable documentary had they mined some of that, which I felt like they were able to touch on in Piper's documentary. So, uh, for me, it, it, it was, it was not as good as the first two, uh, by a long shot. And, and, and yeah, if I never have to hear Bubba Love Sponge again, or even say that name, why the fuck do I even have to say his name? Uh, then I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be good. Um, pretty much the same with Rosenberg. I, you know, it, uh, like once you become a company shill, your opinion means far less to me than it did before. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and not only a company shill, but one that's going to say something like, you know, he had a seven year career. It's like, he even had a longer career than that. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense. He was in uh, just, I'm not going to waste my breath on it. Um, also want to talk a little bit about, um, the all Japan champion carnival, Jake Lee won, uh, again, the right choice. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, thought that that would be the case, hoped that that would be the case, uh, really looking forward to, to seeing what happens, um, going forward with him. Um, you know, I think he, he's, he's obviously the company's top heel. Uh, I think he should, you know, probably be, uh, the champion, um, at some point, um, I, I don't know if, if he'll win it, um, you know, this, this go round. Um, I think again, I kind of, you know, I think that he, that he should, um, y- you know, I think again, the match with, uh, Suwama, which will take place, um, uh, gosh, now I can't even think it's sooner rather than later, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I can see him coming out the winner. I kind of hope that he does. I think that it would be the right choice, um, to, to, to have him become the champ, uh, in all Japan. So we'll see. Uh, but again, I think it's absolutely the right choice for him to have won the, the champion carnival. 
And uh, I think he's positioned now, of course, to be the next Triple Crown champion. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, New Japan, uh, yeah. I look, I, I've already raved about it a little bit. I think that uh, Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi definitely put on Match of the Year candidate. It's interesting because there is a part of me that I think might prefer the Best of the Super Juniors match. Um, I think that I, it might edge this one out just a little bit. Uh, the New Japan Cup match and their uh, G1 matches are also great, but uh, I think Best of the Super Juniors for me uh, up until the other day was was easily the number one. Um, now, uh, it's going to take some time. I'm going to have to let this match sink in. I want to watch it again before I make a, a judgment call, but the best of the Super Juniors matches is probably one of my favorite matches uh, of the past like five years. Um, <clears throat> not my favorite match, but you know, might make my top 10. So, uh, this match, it, it, it was, it was really, really good. Um, and I, I think that, uh, I definitely preferred it to their new Japan cup match. Definitely preferred it to the new Japan cup match. Uh, I thought that match was good, but this one was definitely better. Um, I just, I, I really love Shingo Takagi and it's weird because I, in a way, I, you know, I, I didn't want him to lose. I didn't think he was going to win, but I almost wish that he wouldn't have lost uh, at the same time. Uh, we'll see if Osprey to, uh, and Okada happens at the Tokyo Dome. I know that there is some question as to whether or not Okada will be in that match due to like COVID protocols, etc. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine. I mean, it's, it's May 5th. We've got over three weeks until that match. Um, you know, I think he'll be good to go uh, in, in three weeks because I don't think, based off of what we know right now, it's being reported that he has COVID. Um, they're just, you know, taking extra precautions. So uh, there have been some rumors about him being taken off and, and taken out of the match. We'll see what happens with that. But I, I have a feeling it's still going to go on as planned. Um, let's see. I think that that's about it for this episode, uh, mainly because I'm tired and I am still a little sick. Uh, so I'm going to go and, uh, take my medicine. And, uh, yeah, I was just excited though. Wanted to talk blood and guts, wanted to get an episode out because it had been uh, a minute since I released the last episode. And, uh, part of that again is just because I've been sick for, you know, the past five days. Um, and, uh, haven't had the time to, to commit to everything, even though I've been working slowly, but surely. So I'll certainly have more, um, I, you know, I'll probably take the next couple of days off if you will, uh, and not be, you know, doing as much or watching as much, um, working on a couple of projects right now for Phil Singer games. So make sure you pay attention to what's happening because we've got a big pre-order announcement coming, uh, this Friday, May the 7th for the legends of wrestling ringside personnel four pack. We're going to announce a card for that, that I think that even if you don't pay attention to the game, uh, you, you know, check it out because it, it, this is the type of thing. These are the type of announcements um, that, that I, I firmly believe get people interested, you know, per, perk some ears up and say, hey, I mean, maybe I should check this out. Uh, it's going to be a big announcement, a big name uh, that, that I think people will really be interested in. And uh, it's not the only one this year. There's going to be an announcement coming later this year that that'll be another one of those types of announcements where people are like, whoa, okay, maybe I should check this out. So um, looking forward to that dropping again. That'll be this Friday. Uh, also, the next episode of Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast, of which I am one of the hosts, will uh, drop tomorrow. Um, we'll be talking about the latest news, including the uh, Best of the Indies 2021 expansion pack, which uh, just announced Tony Deppen, the new Ring of Honor World Television Champion, uh, as uh, an, another card uh, being added to the Indies line. Uh, he'll be in that set along with Calvin Tankman um, and a couple of other uh, great, great cards. Uh, Jordan Oliver, um, and uh, Lee Moriarty, the current IWTV um, champion. So uh, that'll be a great set, as well as, uh, of course, the Legends of Wrestling uh, Ringside Personnel 4-Pack. Uh, so check out that Roll Up episode. Again, that's Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. You can find that at philsingergames.com. Click on the little podcast tab, or, of course, you can search it on Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you get your podcasts, and you will you will find it. Um also give a shout out to the folks over at Uncharted Territory continuing to produce some really cool content um, devoted not only to the Legends of Wrestling uh, Phil Singer Games line but just uh, lots of fun topics in general. They did an episode on uh, baseball and uh, a couple of their, their hosts kind of did a deep dive on where they thought the season would end up and you know who they thought would be you know raking in the awards at the end and, and, and winning games so uh, really really was a cool episode um, and uh, just like those guys so make sure you check out Uncharted Territory as well. Also give a 
shout out to Anne Riccoboni and Carrie Silken with the Last Stop Penn Station podcast. Carrie Silken has been uh, really supportive and, and a wonderful interview um, and helped me with a couple of things that I've been working on lately. So I uh, always want to show him some love, give him uh, a shout out. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor obviously has been doing some good stuff lately as well. Uh, I think Tony Deppin uh, winning the world television title is, is a great step, uh, in, in my opinion. Not that Tracy Williams wasn't a fantastic champion. Um, so, yeah, uh, with all that said, all those shout outs, thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, thank you so much for engaging with me on Twitter. It's fun to do. Um, you know, I don't do it all the time, but when I get the chance, it's a lot of fun. Uh, check out IWTV, the uh, absolute intense wrestling shows from last weekend were awesome. Eddie Kingston uh, showed up for one of them, took on uh, Dominic Garini in a great match. Um, just a lot of really cool stuff on that show. Tommy Rich showed up <clears throat> for a match uh, with Mance Warner that turned into something else entirely, which was a lot of fun. Uh, again, definitely worth checking out. Uh, IWTV is just great in general, uh, really wonderful subscription service for anyone who doesn't know, uh, that gives you access to all, uh, independent promotions that you'll definitely want to check out. Um, they've got such a great library. Um, the ECWA super eight tournament was, uh, last or earlier this week, last week, uh, which was just fantastic as well. Uh, unfortunately ended in, in, uh, on kind of a downer note, uh, a very good professional wrestler ended up breaking his ankle in two places in the finals, um, and, uh, had to be, had to be carted out. Uh, he went uh, into surgery yesterday. I hear he's doing just fine, though. And uh, he's a really cool guy and um, <clears throat> was on their very first episode of A Life Of, which is their sort of behind-the-scenes documentary story, the uh, series that they're doing right now. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, IWTV is great. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone. And if you if you look around uh, enough, especially on one of the promotions websites, you usually get a code so you can get, like, you know, a week uh, trial or something like that. So uh, you can check things out. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves and one another. Uh, be well, and uh, let me know what you think. Feel free to drop me a line over on Twitter, at KOPW72, um, and uh, look forward to engaging with you guys, talking with you guys, uh, and hearing what you have to say. Uh, you know, Like, subscribe, leave me a little review, uh, whatever you want to do. Um, trying to make Trying to make more and more as we go on in 2021, as I promised at the beginning of the year. I got off to a slow start, but I feel like I've got a good uh, good pace going now. So thank you all so much for your continued support and your listenership. I truly do appreciate it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to go home now. I'm already home. I'm going to crawl into bed. I'm not feeling great. Some of your sympathy. I need it. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Take care. Take care.